Welcome to Union Chapel. We are in the middle of a series trying to answer some of life's difficult questions. Today, another simple one. Why isn't life fair? Should be easy, right? Solomon gives us some insight and some wisdom into this important question. Hope it'll be meaningful to you. So we're going to go back to the book of Ecclesiastes, one of Solomon's works, and see what he has to say to us about this important question. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4, today I'm going to read the first 12 verses of that chapter for us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we'll project the words on the screen for you, and I'll invite you to stand as you're able to hear God's Word. Verse 1, Solomon said, again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive, but better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. That too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil, chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. So a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. May we hear the wisdom of Solomon today through God's word. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Dr. Bill Bright is a name familiar to uh, many folks. He is the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, a ministry that has literally gone around the world and is a great influence for Jesus here and there. Dr. Bright, many years ago, wrote a gospel tract, a simple little tract that had four laws, four spiritual laws. And the first of those four laws is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. God loves you has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, here's my question to you today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe God has a wonderful plan for your life? All right. If you believe that, then it begs the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is it true that so many unfair and unjust and inexplainable things happen to good people. Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And the other side of the coin is, why do bad or evil people seem to prosper? What's that all about? And so we can contextualize this into an ultimate question, which is, why isn't life fair? Why doesn't it all add up? Where is God in all of it? What's he up to? What's he doing? What is his purpose in it all? Why doesn't he do something to correct it? And so we are forced into this important question of life. Why isn't life fair? Solomon gives us some insight, I think. I want to use your outline today just to guide us through this. He, he suggests to us that injustice is a reality in our world and we should come to terms with it. And so I want to talk about that just for a moment, the reality of injustice, 
Life is unfair. That's a reality. And the sooner you come to terms with that, the more mature you will be, the better perspective you will have as you go through life and face all kinds of uncertainties and perhaps injustice. And so Solomon goes through Ecclesiastes, giving us little snapshots, little examples of injustice to illustrate the reality of injustice in our world. For example, he says that criminals go unpunished. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, why do people commit crimes? Because crime is not punished quickly enough. Now, I have a, uh, a sense that that's a relevant scripture for today. It certainly is. And by the way, I have a theory about crime deterrence. I don't think the severity of punishment deters crime as much as the certainty and the haste of punishment. Unfortunately, in many cases in America, the jurisprudence system doesn't always get it right. And in fact, we can see that the amount of money you have oftentimes determines the timing and severity of your punishment. Ecclesiastes 3 says, I have noticed that throughout the earth, justice is giving way to crime, and even the police force is corrupt. And we can say, yeah, that, that can happen, and it does. So criminals go unpunished. Here's another little snapshot of injustice that Solomon points out. He says, the oppressed are not helped. From our text in Ecclesiastes 4 today, it says, then I looked again at all the injustice that goes on in this world. The oppressed were crying out, and no one would help them. Their oppressors had power on their side. And what we learn from History is that human beings oppress other human beings, and human beings oppress and persecute one another. And we've seen this historically in our own time. We've seen the Bosnians and the Serbs. The, the Syrian civil war that's going on in this moment has produced over a million refugees from that country. Horrible tribal warfare and violence, Arabs against Arabs, Arabs against Jews, African tribal wars. All of these things are happening in our world. And we see people oppressed and persecuted and hurt. And Solomon says, I see that the oppressed are going unhelped. No one's helping them. And we wonder about the injustices in the world. Another little snapshot example that Solomon suggests is that politicians are unethical. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Now, this guy wrote 3,000 years ago. Maybe there's nothing new under the sun, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If I see a miscarriage of justice anywhere throughout the land, don't be surprised. For every official is under orders from a higher up, and higher up officials look up their, to their superiors, and so the matter is lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, he writes, Here is an injustice I've seen, an injustice caused by rulers. Stupid people are given positions of authority. And boy, am I glad I'm not one of them. <laughs> Moving quickly, good people, fourthly, are unrewarded. Good people are unrewarded. Does this bother anyone besides me? This happens, doesn't it? Ecclesiastes chapter 8, there's something else meaningless. Righteous men who get what the wicked deserve and wicked men who get what the righteous deserve. That didn't seem right. In other words, dishonest people are getting ahead and honest people sometimes are left behind. The drug dealer, the cartel, drug cartel leader in Bogota, Colombia lives in a $10 million home with everything that life can offer, and the field worker in Bogota, half a mile away, labors in the field 12 hours a day and can't feed his family. Good people are unrewarded. Another little example that we find is that capable people are unsuccessful. This is an interesting reality in our world that represents injustice. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, in this world, fast runners don't always win the races. That's true, isn't it? 
Sometimes it's not how fast you run, but the breaks you get, you know, the timing of it, who you meet, when you meet them, connections that you develop, right place, right time. The, the best team doesn't always win. That's true. The best athlete doesn't always get the gold medal. He may pull a muscle. She may be tripped up uh, by an opponent. These things happen. The smartest people you know don't make the most money. That's not true. Um, witness Floyd Mayweather. Convicted person of domestic violence. Just this past May was in a prize fight with Manny Pacquiao. Some of you paid money to see it. The day after the fight, in a press conference, Floyd Mayweather was presented with the first installment of the money from the gate and the pay-per-view to his personal account, and the check was in the amount of $100 million. $100 million. <laughs> something's, something's not right. Something's not right. The President of the United States makes $400,000 a year plus expenses, not even a fraction, the most important job in the world. And it is, it is infinitely, exponentially greater than what a police officer makes or what a school teacher makes. And we wonder, what is wrong with our world? Things are not balanced well. Some drug-numbed, rebellious punk drops out of high school, starts a music career, ends up on MTV, and makes millions of dollars going around the country strutting his ignorance. <laughs> Makes you wonder. The reality of things is that life isn't fair. If you don't understand this reality, then you run a great risk of becoming cynical or bitter or angry with life. And it can hurt you and derail you. Here's the reality. Life isn't fair. And it's not going to suddenly get fair just on your behalf. just isn't. So the reality is life is unfair. Now here's some other insight that Solomon gives us, and that is the reasons for injustice. Now this may take us another step. We know that injustice exists in our world, but there are some reasons for it that Solomon gives us information. Number one, God gives us the freedom to choose. This is a reason for injustice. Deuteronomy 11:26 says, I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. Apparently, the blessing and the curse are connected somehow to the choices we make. Imagine that. The choices we make can issue forth either in the blessing of God or a curse. Now, if I were to ask you just privately, just the two of us, I, I said, would you like to have the blessing of God on your life or the curse on your life? This will all want the blessing. Of course. Everybody wants to be blessed. Well, the choices we make actually influence that outcome. One of the reasons God doesn't step in and fix everything all at once, immediately in this life, is because God has given us choices. We are free moral agents. We have been created in the image and likeness of God. In fact, I want to put this statement on the screen because I want to bring this thought home to you. And it's simply this. One of the things about you that is most like God is the ability to choose, to make these choices. And so the choices we make influence the outcomes of our lives. The direction that you take will determine the destination you find yourself in. And so these choices have great power. So you can choose to create or you can choose to destroy. You can choose to do good or you can choose to do evil. All of them have benefits and consequences, these choices. We live in a fallen world. 
because God first gave man and woman, Adam and Eve, the right to choose. So we find ourselves in this condition because of the power that God gives human beings to make choices. Well, that's one reason for injustice in the world. Another that Solomon suggests is that judgment is coming. This is an important concept. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon wrote, In due season, God will judge everything man does, both good and bad. In due season, everybody's going to be judged. Yeah. Now, friend, listen to me. Just because you're not facing judgment now in your life doesn't mean that you won't. There are people going through life in our world today who believe that they are living their life with total impunity, that nothing consequential is ever going to happen to them based on what they do, and that when they die, there is no ultimate accountability for their life. And so they're just going through life that way. But isn't there something in all of us that desires, that longs for a correction of all the wrongs that have been done? Isn't there something in us like that? There are all the tangles and all the jumbled events and all the relationship quagmires that we have experienced or observed. There's something in us that wants everything to be sorted Everything crooked to be made straight. If you have that sense in you, I do, then I've got good news for you because that's exactly what God is going to do. God is going to cause every debt to be paid. All the books are going to be balanced perfectly, totally, to the penny. That's the nature of who God is. He is altogether just. So when we have injustice in the world, God is going to cause everything crooked to be made straight perfectly straight. So all of the accounts are going to come into the balance. If, you, if a person lives without God in their life or any care for God in their life, listen, these are people who are living on credit. And debt is accruing. But people who know God and live for God, these are folks who live on a cash basis. Everything's paid up. Everything is current. That means anything can happen, including the loss of your life, and you're ready because your account is balanced. You've been paying with cash as you go. And here's all I'm saying today, that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And on the final audit, you don't want to have, you don't want to have a balance on the books. You want your accounts to be in the red on that final day. You want everything to be balanced, and you want to be ready to meet God. So judgment is coming and it's another reason for the injustice in the world. Now, here's a third idea, and that is to show us that we need a Savior. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 7, Solomon again says, There's no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never sins. No one's perfect. Paul said it this way to the church at Rome. He said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, God's best. And so if we will allow it, think about it this way, if we'll allow this, consider this, all of the injustices in the world will remind us that we need help. I mean, can we admit, if I could sort out all the problems in my life, I'd already done it. Everything that's crooked, that's happened to me, everything out of balance, everything out of whack, everything that's, that's just been distorted in my life, if I could sort all of that and make it all clear and make all the confusion, obfuscation go away, I would have done that already. But what happens is because injustice is so widespread and it's so burdensome and is such a big reality in our world, we realize, if we'll allow it, we'll realize we need help. We need someone bigger than me, brighter than me, more powerful than me to sort this out. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. 
We need a Savior both here and now, and we need a Savior eternally in order to sort all of these injustices. Well, another reason for injustice is our pain can develop character. <laughs> Romans 5, 4 says, suffering produces character. Suffering produces character. Suffering produces character. How many of you are thrilled with the whole idea? Does that just, doesn't it just give you a warm feeling all over? Why don't we just spend the rest of the summer talking about suffering and how it produces such good things in our lives? Won't that be fun? Uh, the fact is that hard times build character in our lives. That's true. Life circumstances are always preparing us for something else, something more, something better. And so the reason for injustice is, Odd as it may seem is that God is actually at work through all of the pain and brokenness that we experience through unfair treatment and unfair experiences in our lives. And he's actually using those things to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. Years ago when our boys were young, uh, there was a season of time when I was coaching them on character. And every time there was a life lesson in that season of a f weeks and months, I would I would direct it to what God was doing in their character. Now, uh, it, would, it would come when there was something good that had happened, something we could affirm. This is a character moment for you. And when there was discipline necessary, you know, what might God be saying to you about this and about your character? Because he wants you to become conformed to the image of Jesus. He wants you to be like Jesus. And so the formation of your character is essential to the work of God in your life. And so we spent just every opportunity to emphasize the development of character. And apparently it stuck with the boys because not long after that, we were on vacation and one sunny, really hot morning, the four of us, our family, found ourselves on a little baseball diamond with our wiffle ball and bat and the game was on. So it was 13-year-old Aaron and his mother versus six-year-old Isaac and his father. The rules were outlined very carefully beforehand. We will run the bases and pitcher's hand. The game will last for six innings, not seven, not five, but six. We will flip a coin to see who bats first. We're very competitive in our family, and so this was very serious. You said, oh, a nice young family out on vacation playing a game of wiffle ball. No, 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 no. No, that's not how it's done. Not in our family. This is a winner take, take all. Well, it was a, it was a frustrating morning for, for Isaac and me. Uh, he's six years old. We just didn't have enough firepower. He, you know, the fielding was a little shady, so we just couldn't keep up with him. And, and it, was, it was exacerbated by the fact that the other team was gloating. <laughs> I have never seen more trash-talking from winners in my life than from those two. And Isaac, Isaac was hot, and he was bothered, and he was quickly coming to the end of his emotional rope. And so the last out was made, and he's in tears. I mean, you can, can you see him? His little, little reddened face from sun and sweat, you know, muddy sweat running down his face, and now tears running down his face as well. And he has had it. And then Aaron just said one more thing. And Isaac goes running over to him. And, and at the top of his lungs, with the, you know, the veins bulging in his neck, 
He looks up at his big brother and he says, yeah, but at least we've got character. It's like that. Yeah. I looked at his mother and I thought, well, maybe. We're not sure what that is, but some kind of character, I guess. He survived. It's okay. We went back, jumped in the lake, cooled off, washed off. It was fine. It was all good. <laughs> you know, life is like a, a traditional photograph where you, where you open the shutter and light, an image comes in onto the film and, and imprints a negative. And then it has to be processed. And with the right light and the right chemicals and the right amount of time, this negative is transformed into a positive. And all of the details are there. And an appreciation for the image can be realized. And friends, that's exactly what God does in our lives. He takes all of the issues of life, all of our circumstances, all of the disappointments, all of the injustices that happen to us. And this is the unique capacity of Almighty God who loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And he takes these, these amazing moments that threaten to destroy and unhinge us and he transforms them into something positive and meaningful and useful in his hands. It's true for every single one of us in this room right now that your greatest strengths in your life have emerged out of the greatest pain. It's absolutely true of every one of us. And we can see the wonderful work of God in our lives. He must love us. He must have a wonderful plan for our lives because of the way he can take such devastating things, transform them into good. Isn't that a wonderful promise? So good, yeah. So we know the reasons then for injustice in the world and some of them are actually good to our benefit ultimately. So you say, okay, you've convinced me. Solomon has convinced me, Pastor, that injustice is a reality in the world. There are reasons for it. So what should I do? Well, here's, here's the application point now. If I've, if I've allowed Solomon to convince you that, that injustice is going to occur, how do we respond to it? Let me just give you a few ideas. And the first one is this. Responding to injustice first, accept that life is unfair. Accept that truth. Until you come to terms with this reality, you'll be asking the wrong questions for your whole life. It's, it's so important. Now, this could just be preacher talk. If you hear me say, accept the reality of injustice, you say, well, okay, I hope my neighbor's listening because when injustice happens to him, you know, he'll need that advice. Wait a minute. When it happens to you, now wait a minute. It, it, I can tolerate it a bit if it happens to you, but when it happens to me, that's a different kind of challenge. And so what I'm saying is you have to be intentional about this. You have to understand what's going on and why it's virtuous for you to deal with it at some level of acceptance. Beth and I were talking with a friend recently, and we've been friends for over 20 years, and we've tried to woo this man into a relationship with Jesus. And he's, he's, we know part of his story, and we know he's been hurt, and he's been wounded, and, and he's had He's had grief in his life. And, and so when we talk serious with him, he always says, ah, you know, I just, I'm not sure about all that. You know, he said, I just, you get to a point in life when you just, you just become, he paused and said, what is the word? And Beth said, cynical. 
And the guy said, yeah, that's it, cynical. He said, it's like you just don't care anymore. And that's it, isn't it? That's what can happen to us if we don't get the right perspective on bad things that happen. And, and until we do that, the threat is there. We all know people like this, don't we? People that don't like people, people who don't like God, people who don't trust people who represent God, you know, and they've come to a place in life, look, God, God doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about my family. Christianity is a waste of time. The Bible's not true. Prayer doesn't work. I mean, I tried to pray when I was in the deepest trouble of my life. I prayed, I asked God to help me, and nothing, nothing happened. God doesn't hear my prayers. The people of God, therefore, can't be trusted. And then the coup de grace that, that, that this kind of attitude and worldview inevitably gr- brings us to is this, how can a loving God allow this to happen to me? Listen to me, it's the wrong question. It's based on the wrong assumptions. The assumption that God doesn't care and the Bible's not true and that prayer doesn't work and Christians can't be trusted and the church is not the place that I can find help. These are all the wrong assumptions. Completely wrong. That leads to the wrong question. You, and folks start asking the wrong questions and they do this for the entire life. Listen, you're, you're doomed and destined to failure if you don't come to terms, if you don't accept that life is unfair. Bad things are going to happen to good people because the nature of things here and now. We live in a fallen world that's not yet thoroughly redeemed. Now listen, I'm going to teach you some theology right now. This might help you. We live in a world now that has been judiciously redeemed, completely redeemed. Everything necessary to satisfy all of the injustices that have ever occurred in the world and ever will occur in the world, everything necessary to satisfy every wrong has been done by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has once and for all perfectly satisfied the counterweight for every wrong, every injustice, every violation ever committed. We have been judiciously, legally redeemed. But we have not been experientially redeemed. The kingdom that is to come is going to be a perfectly just community and culture. But we don't live in that yet. So we live in the now, but not yet fully realized kingdom. The opportunity to receive the redemptive work of God in our lives is available to us here and now. The cross of Jesus Christ is the perfect satisfaction for all of our wrongs and all the wrongs done to us. And we can positionally and judiciously make our lives right with God right now. Now, the problem is that we're still living in this fallen, evil, corrupt world, and so bad things are going to continue to happen to us, but sooner or later, everything's going to be redeemed experientially. Now, let me give you a verse of Scripture that that I just love, love, love. This is John chapter 16, verse 33. These are the words of Jesus. Now, find hope in this if you can, friend. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. You okay with that statement so far? In this world, you'll have tribulation. In this world, there'll be trouble. But, he said, now see the conjunction. He just flips this thing 180 degrees. In the world, you have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. 
Now, that's good news because that's the truth. That is the truth that God offers in a promising, hopeful way that sooner or later, everything crooked is going to be made straight. Everything wrong is going to be made right. Every debt is going to be compensated for. Wow. So accept that life is unfair. Now, here's the second thing that we do in response to injustice, and that is do the right thing anyway. Do the right thing anyway. Here's your take-home statement. You ready? You don't have to remember any of this sermon. I give you permission not to remember any of this. Here's the, here's the take-home statement. Life is unfair. Do the right thing anyway. That's the take-home. Life is not fair. Do the right thing anyway. Can you hear that? Here's what I mean. How am I going to react to a world that is unfair? I'm going to do the right thing anyway. Regardless of what anyone else does or says, I will do right. Listen to Isaiah 1:17. Learn to do right. See that justice is done. Help those who are oppressed. So I'm going to resist the temptation to become cynical or angry or resentful. I'm going to resist that. That tendency to be resentful or cynical or angry. You know, when, when you talk like this, it stirs up all kinds of memories and emotions in all of us because we rehearse what's happened to us, don't we? I mean, it's happening to, in the room right now. I mean, I, you know, just after services all weekend, it's been the young woman who's facing a divorce and raising two teenage children by herself now. And how does she manage that? And is there any hope for your marriage? And then she goes through this litany of reasons why her husband can't be faithful to her and her family and and it's not right it's not fair or the grandmother who approaches me after the first service in tears saying thank you this helped me because I just don't know what to do because two of her grandchildren have been killed in the last six months And how do you cope with that? If, if we're not careful with our lives and our, and our, our leaning into God and trusting his, his promises, life becomes bitter and angry and cynical. And we get off track and we lose our way. And it devastates and demoralizes and fractures our lives. So we have to decide, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right anyway. I'm not going to let anybody mistreat me based on some superficiality. Isn't this what Dr. King said? Dr. King said, don't let anyone judge you. In fact, he said, force people to judge you, to deal with you, to relate to you based on the content of your character and not on superficialities. That was the message. And that's a strong word, isn't it? It doesn't matter then your age or your gender or your race or your socioeconomic status or your educational level because those things are all superficialities. You are who you are because you know who made you who you are and you give God thanks for that. And you submit to his work in your life and you know that you're growing as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter. You force people to deal with you based on who you are as a person 
at the level of your Christ-like character and not on anything else. You do the right thing. You do the right thing anyway. Well, no one cares about me. No one loves me. Everyone rejects me. I always get persecuted. Nothing ever works out for me. And you can just live there. And what you fear in life will come upon you. I just know I'm going to be rejected again. I just know no one's going to love me. I'm just, I'm just afraid I won't have any friends. I'm just afraid I'll never get a promotion in my job. I'm just afraid I'm always going to be stuck in this spot. Hmm? Or you can do the right thing anyway. You can resist the temptation that the world gives you. Look, that's your place. Stay in your place. That's your, that's your status. You stay in your status. That's where you belong. Wait a minute. No, no, no. How about the world saying, you know, there's injustice everywhere. You can't do anything about it. Why even try? People are mistreated all the time. Always have been, always will be. And what are you going to do? It's like a drop in the bucket. You can't make any changes. You can't make it any different. You're talking about it or doing something about it. It isn't going to change any of it. So why not just give up? Live for yourself. But no, no, I'm going to do the right thing anyway. I'm going to do the honest thing. I'm going to do the decent thing. I'm going to do the God-honoring thing. And when he says, care for the poor and love people who are needing, who need a hand up, then you go give them a hand up because that's what people doing the right thing do. Life is unfair. Do the right thing anyway. Do the right thing anyway. And that leads me to this last thought, and that is wait for God's reward. Now, here's the most hopeful piece of information. It's the last thing I want to say. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. I'll put it on the screen for you. This is from the Phillips translation. It says, These temporary troubles are winning for us a permanent reward out of all proportion to the weight of our pain. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> the, the King James or our RSV says, These momentary light afflictions are producing in you an eternal weight of glory. I just love that. Isn't that good? Out of all proportion to your pain, not only are, are the scales going to come to balance one of these days, say, boy, all this bad stuff has happened to me, but one of these days, you know, I guess God's going to balance the scales. No, not according to this promise. God's not only going to balance the scales, <laughs> he's going to tip it way in favor of the other direction. And out of all proportion, an eternal weight of glory is coming to you if you'll be patient. If you'll be patient. I looked that grandma in the face just about an hour ago, and I said, I'm sorry for your loss. I don't know how you're doing it. But I said, if you'll be patient, believe me when I say this, if you'll be patient, one of these days, it'll be okay. I got a feeling everything's going to turn out right <laughs> because of the promises of God. And friends, this is what gives us what we need to make it, no matter what happens to us. It is the hope that God gives us a hope that is strong, a hope that does not disappoint, a hope that is true, a hope that never fails, a hope that puts within us an assurance and a confidence and an awareness that sooner or later, as I'm patient and trusting in God's goodness, He is going to cause me to find good and an eternal reward awaits. This is what we long for, friends. We said it at the beginning, I'll say it at the end. God loves us. He has a wonderful plan for our lives. Here's what the Bible promises. One of these days, the lion from the tribe of Judah, he's coming back. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. 
one day he's coming back. And this lion from the tribe of Judah, the Bible says he's going to rule the earth, rule the world with a rod of iron. That means everything's going to be balanced all the time. A rod of iron. This is justice. And in the same phrase, beautiful, this beautiful exalted language of the revelation. And it says, and justice. You know, all the injustice in the world in that day, justice will roll down like the waters. Can you hear a mighty waterfall? Can you, can you hear it? Can you imagine it? Justice will roll down like the waters. It'll be unstoppable. The justice of God. Balancing every book. Making everything crooked straight. Wait for God's reward. Wait for God's reward. And you'll not be disappointed. Here it is one more last time. God loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. Do you believe it? I do too. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your goodness, for your word, for this truth. Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in the room today, and they can say, look, I've been victimized. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I've experienced injustice. And you can name the reasons. You can name your circumstance. So here's what I want to pray, Lord, that you'll touch my friends and give them the perspective they need, realizing that you're the God who loves and cares. You're the God who is good and brings even out of this bad, good things. You're a redeeming God. And Lord, I pray that you would give my brothers and sisters the hope they need and the patience they need, knowing with absolute certainty that someday everything crooked will be made straight. And so as we wait for your reward, God, give us patience. Give us grace. Now bless us, we pray. We choose to follow Jesus. We choose to trust in him. We choose to give our lives fully in devotion as a follower of his goodness. And Lord, we wait with patience for justice to roll down like the waters. Now, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And the people said, amen.